Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of SG Explained. My name is Rovik and here I am with the awesome, fancy, beautiful Elliot. <laughs> what's oh, up? Oh man. Hey, what's up, dude? This, this week you, you're doing it. Hey, that's, I know, I know. I, I gotta return the favor. <laughs> hey, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. How have you been, Rovik? Pretty good. It's been a busy week, but I'm always enjoying coming back here and just having a chat with you, Elliot, talking about Same. Singapore, Singapore identity, <laughs> all kinds of stuff in between. <laughs> It's been a crazy week for us. We have like maybe a couple of episodes left in the season. Yeah, we have around seven, I would say. Yeah, seven episodes left. So like, we've been talking a lot about how we want to prepare for the next season already. You know, <laughs> like it's it's crazy that we've come this far in, in this period of time. So I'm pretty excited for today's episode. Just excited for the plans that we have for the future, honestly. So today's episode is meant to be a short one. We like to keep it simple and breezy once in a while just so that you know you can have a, a good bite-sized nugget of sg explained trivia today we're going to be talking about the malayan we're talking about the actual malayan not the act of malayaning which is actually you know a colloquial term for you know when someone oh yeah vomits. uh good 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 days roving and i shared many malayan moments uh, <laughs> in our younger days well actually to be fair i've never seen rovik have a malayan moment but I personally have been through several. I've definitely had my fair share of Malayan moments. <laughs> Never too proud of them, but unlike my Malayan moment, fun fact, actually the Malayan in itself is a complete fiction. No way, you're joking. This half half fish, half lion thing is fake. Wow. <laughs> is that your Santa Claus alien? News alert. This is the same time my mom told me that Tooth Fairy wasn't real, bro. Like she was actually putting money underneath my pillow. Well, it's very interesting because a lot of people, and I don't know where this story started coming about, but a lot of people, attribute the Malayan to Sangnila Utama. Most people think that Sangnila Utama, who was the guy that people think came here, was exploring, and then he saw uh, a lion with a fishtail, and he said, oh, therefore we call it Singapura, but also that's where the Malayan comes from. Actually, that's not true. And, and we'll find out a bit later, actually, where did the Malayan come from? They didn't try to create this fictional story. Actually, that kind of just evolved from the original concept. But it's a, it's quite an interesting trivia piece I think we'll be learning about today. In fact, like the modern day versions of the Malayan is something that we want to explore as well. So we have tons to share. Even if it's a short episode, you can be rest assured there is going to be a lot of information about uh, the Malayan itself. We'll give you a quick second to go and Google Malayan if you haven't actually seen it before. But the Malayan is the official mascot of Singapore, depicted as a mythical creature with the head of a lion and the body of a fish. So it's basically a mermaid, but a lion instead of a person. <laughs> it is a prominent symbol to both Singapore and Singaporeans in general. And it is widely used actually to represent both the city-state and its people in sports teams and advertising, branding, tourism, and even as a national personification. So sometimes if you want to have a mascot of sorts, then they will use the Malayan as a way to do that. Actually, it's a national personification. I think it's interesting, right? It's that whole idea of, I mean, I don't know how animals work, but crossbreeding or like multiracial. <laughs> hey, who knows, man? Like to me, it feels very Singaporean. <laughs> like, right, the land and the sea, yeah. Yeah, 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 the overlaps. <laughs> Maybe what we'll do first, as we always do in SG Explained, is we'll go through a bit of the history of it. So the Malayan was first used in Singapore as the logo for the tourism board. Its name combines 
Mer, meaning the sea, and lion, obviously, you know, the raw, raw, raw guy. Uh, the fish body represents Singapore's origin as a fishing village when it was first called Tamase, which means sea town in Javanese. While the lion head represents Singapore's original name, Singapura, uh, meaning lion city or Kota Singa. Now, the symbol was designed by Alec Fraser Brunner, a British ichthyologist, a member of the Souvenir Committee and creator of the Van Cleef Aquarium, or formerly, you know, at Fort Canning Park. For the logo of the Singapore Tourism Promotional Board back then, so the STPB, it was in use from 26th of March, 1964, all the way to 1997. So that's, that's, that's like, what, 30, 33 years of mm-hmm. usage. Very few times you will we'll see uh, something in Singapore be used uh, that often. So that's what's interesting here, right? So the Malayan was actually not even a, a mascot yet. It was actually the logo. So the logo of the Singapore Tourism Promotion Board was the Malayan. Uh, and you can go and Google this and you can find the old logo. And the the concept was that they wanted to bring together two big ideas about Singapore culture. So our heritage as a lion city, which is actually the story of Sangrila Tama, as well as our fishing village kind of heritage, right? So so that's the Tomasic aspect of things. And this guy, Alec Fraser Bruno, ichthyologist is basically a guy who studies sea creatures. And so he kind of designed this and put this together. And that that was it. It wasn't meant to create a mythology. It's just graphic design. Bro. Exactly. Like... It was just graphic design. They basically kept it as their logo and then eventually they converted it into a trademark symbol. It's been trademarked since like 20th July 1966. Now, although the STB changed their logo in 1997, um, the STB Act continues to protect the Malayan symbol. Uh, approval must be received from STB before it can be used. So it's not like... It's not in the public domain, yeah. It's not in the public. See, that's why we have you around, Rovin. You know all the smart terms. <laughs> you know, you have to file in order to use any sort of like the Malayan in your merchandising and, and what whatnot. And admittedly, that it was not possible to keep track of all Malayan reproductions, right? So... The trademarking is important, but I'm sure people do like parodies and stuff of it all the time and you don't really have to like ask for that. The Malayan frequently appears on a lot of these like STB approved souvenirs, including Merli the Malayan. If you guys received your SG Rediscover vouchers or like the, at least the letter in the mail, you actually notice that they have the Merli, like they have a Merli print on it. It's very, it's really cute. So yeah, that's, that's like the brief history of the origins of the Malayan. And I'm surprised, like this wasn't some big like, oh yeah, this is the big mythos of like, you know, the Malayan. In fact, it's just some brand guy. I mean, it was a logo design. And somehow it's put up to something. If only other brands could have such claim to fame, like the giant M in McDonald's, maybe it was just you know, the Golden Gates. Yeah, the Golden Gates. <laughs> <laughs> so most of us are familiar with the Malayan because of the Malayan statue. And that Malayan statue, that's the one that, if you think about it now, it's the one that's basically near the Esplanade, near Fullerton Bay. The place is called Malayan Park. And during pre-COVID times, there would be tons of people there basically taking their selfies and taking photos of the Malayan. And that's where you can see, you know, the Malayan just sprouting water into the Marina Bay as a very iconic symbol. And that's where the term Malayaning comes from, actually, because (laughs) people think of when you're have to puke. It just flies out. Similar trajectory, yeah. My favorite part is like tourists, they would take those photos. <laughs> it's, like the, it's very iconic. It's like the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Everyone does the same, you know, like That's thing so when you try to hold up the tower. Yeah, we have a lot of people like trying to spit out of their mouth by angling their face in the right position. Or the other way is for you to pretend like you're catching... You're drinking the water. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's Which right. is kind of weird, right. I think, maybe. <laughs> now that I it's think about it. So the Malayan statue was conceptualized by the then Vice-Chancellor 
of the University of Singapore, now known as the National University of Singapore, uh, Kwan Sai Kiong. And it was constructed from November 1971 to August 1972 by the late Singapore sculptor Lim Nang Singh. It measures 8.6 meters high and weighs 70 tons, and it costs around $165,000. On 15 September 1972, Prime Minister Lee Kuan Yew himself officiated the installation ceremony of the Malayan statue, and this was at the mouth of the Singapore River at the tip of the former Malayan Park with Anderson Bridge as its background. So this is, if you think about it, this is where the Asian Heritage Museum is. That was the original location near the Anderson Bridge of the Malayan. And what happened was that the Esplanade Bridge, which is the road bridge, so this is the bridge where the cars are going on, this was built in and completed in 1997, and it basically blocked the views of the Malayan from the Marina Bay waterfront. So in 2002, the statue and its cub, I will talk about the cub a bit later, were relocated 120 meters to the current Malayan Park that fronts Marina Bay, where it stands in a newly reclaimed promontory in front of the Fullerton Hotel. Now, this wasn't the first location that people thought of. It, I mean, it eventually was the final location, but there were actually a couple of other possible places where the Malayan could have been. And you know, now that we know some of these options, I, I wonder how things would have looked differently if the Malayan had been moved Somewhere there. Instead. So some of these places were the Nickel Highway Extension Bridge, Esplanade Park, right in the Esplanade in itself, Promontory and Marina Center, where the Singapore Flyer is located, or a promontory near the tip of the Marina Bay Sands Integrated Resort, or even Kim Seng Park, which is near the River Valley area. I'm really glad that they're not at any of those locations. They made a good decision overall on this one. I know. It speaks a bit to the foresight, I guess, of a lot of the urban planners back then, because you really got to have a vision of you know, what is the Malayan going to look like and what is the kind of foot traffic it's going to attract as well. Because even in the original location, it was a very iconic location. A lot of people loved it. So they kind of knew that they wanted to to emphasize that a bit more. If you remember, this Malayan is not small. It's 8.6 meters high, it's 70 tons. And so the relocation process was actually an unprecedented feat. It took basically two days from 23rd April 2002 to 25th April. And a carefully engineered journey required one barge, two DMAG AC 1600S cranes of 5,000 tons lifting capacity plus a team of 20 engineers and workers on site just to move the statue from the original location at Anderson Bridge down to the final promontory. The statue was hoisted onto the barge, which then sailed to the new installation site at the current Malayan Park. And during the voyage, the statue had to be hoisted from the barge over the Esplanade Bridge and then back onto the barge. And there was two tall to pass underneath. Oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah, there is a bridge in between that, that travel route all the way. So if you think about it, it's actually quite a marvel that they didn't decide to just like rebuild a Malayan statue. I know. Like, they decided to port it over instead via a very difficult means. That's so true. So what's nice is that even though it was 30 years since it was first officially launched, by this point, Senior Minister Lee Kuan Yew returned again to officiate the reopening of the Malayan. So this was on 15 September 2002. He basically ceremonially welcomed the Malayan in its new home. And if you go to the Malayan Park, you'll see that there's a viewing deck that stretches over the Singapore River, allowing visitors to pose for a photograph with a front or a side view of the Malayan, including a new city skyline backdrop in the picture. This is a lot of the development that was happening in the Marina Bay area. The sculpture was actually aligned to face east, a direction advised to be most 
auspicious. And the statue once more sprouted water from its mouth. And this is actually pretty important because in its old location, it had actually stopped spouting water because they had a water pump malfunction since 1998. So actually, in its new location, it was able to finally be able to spot water again. It had a two-unit water pump system with units working alternatively so that a partner is always on standby. Pretty cool. Just to put this into context, right? So the construction of the original line was around $165,000. The relocation, as well as the new promontory area, cost $7.5 million. That's insane. <laughs> so they, they could have just built a new one, right? For like 165k. Well, I guess these are inflated numbers also because think about it this way. When we first constructed the line, 165,000 might have been quite a, a fair yeah, bit of this cash. Was, yeah. That was in 1972. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so it's quite a lot. Inflation numbers would suggest that it's not as cheap as, you know, we're comparing two numbers from different eras, essentially. Also, the new Malayan Park is much bigger. So it was yeah, a significant investment into the tourism value of the Malayan. If you take the um, Singapore River uh, boat ride, actually, you get a very nice uh, angle as well to kind of see the new Malayan. We made a good choice, not only in investing in like this symbol of Singapore, but very strategic in terms of what it means to us as an identity, placing it in like one of our highest foot traffic areas, as you, as you mentioned just now. Let's talk a little bit about some of the interesting things that have happened at the Malayan, right? Events that are, you know, of noteworthiness, I suppose. If anything, it's good table talk for trivia, right? So all you spermologists out there who are collecting trivia data, this is the right place to be. First one, from 5th June till about 10th June 2006, the Malayan at Malayan Park underwent maintenance. The last one was right after its location. See, so there were like these dirt stains that were removed using high-pressure water streams. Uh, actually, it's kind of like my new favorite trend on TikTok, by the way, you know, where they use high water pressure to like clean out dirty things yeah quite addictive to watch yeah <laughs> not for all viewers out there but for me like pimple popping like it's uh, one of the top three trends uh, yeah, yeah not everyone like said I, i'm that kind of guy these dirt stains are removed using like these high uh, pressure water streams and various wear and tear of the statue you know had to be mended during that period visitors were greeted with illustrated hoardings and canvases covering the safety nets and scaffolding these illustrations were designed by Miel, an award-winning senior artist at The Straits Times. Uh, the illustrations of the canvases made them look like shower curtains, with the Malayan sticking its head out of the shadows of its tail behind the curtain. And, and the illustration on the hoarding showed the Malayan scrubbing himself with a brush and showering using a Malayan shower head, uh, sprouting water. <laughs> My favorite part is this, where the Malayan said, excuse me while I take a shower in like a speech bubble. So yes, they had to do maintenance, but they tried to do it in cheeky and honestly it's a very rare sight for Singapore I would say when we have a public a public piece that have has become like kish art in its own way I would also contrast that with the Big Ben right the Big Ben's been undergoing maintenance for a long time now in the last few years but it's so depressing when you travel all the way to London especially if it's your first time and then you see the Big Ben under construction but here you know notwithstanding that it was only a small two-month kind of maintenance work, you still get a nice picture. It's, it's kind of cutesy. It gives you something unique to take home. So 
I liked it, yeah. At the very least, you got to see a, a snapshot of a time where there was something fun happening at the Malayan, right? Like, that was not traditional. So it's a good memory to have. The next one was happened on Saturday, 28th February in 2009. Now, this was at about like 4.26pm and the Malayan and Malayan Park was struck by lightning. Uh, it was breaking news from 938 Now, one of our local radio shows, uh, with an image of fragments for the Malayan's head on the ground. So struck to death, I suppose, in this case. Uh, examination of the damage was done quickly with wooden scaffoldings set up on Sunday, so just a day after, on 1st March 2009, for workers to take a closer look at the hole. Uh, the incident happened as a result of a lack of lightning protection of the Malayan itself. Now, I did a quick Google search. It is now safe. So <laughs> we have placed a lightning protection so there's like a rod uh, that sort of like conducts uh, and earths uh, the, the statue. But I come, prior to this, you know, maybe it was just from like the first time we wrote the statue, we were really thinking about these things. But at the new location, after the Renault works, it wasn't refitted until this incident. Malayan must have been pretty unlucky to be struck by lightning. I mean, it's, it lives in water, like it's got to expect <laughs> some sort of lightning hazard, right? That's true. <laughs> the last fun fact that happened with the Malayan, uh, the Malayan Park was actually temporarily turned into a single-unit hotel suite as part of an artwork by Tatsunishi for the duration of the 2011 Singapore Biennale. I didn't know this. <laughs> like this, this is interesting. What they did was they built a structure around the Malayan. And so it looks like the, basically the Malayan's head is on top of the structure. Uh, the rest of the hotel is underneath the structure. And, and actually the body of the Malayan is also within the structure. And so you can kind of go in. It's a single unit hotel, meaning you could go in and you can kind of just stay around the Malayan, which is quite a cool idea. If I had the money, I'd totally want to live in the Malayan for a while and just like talk to it. What's the lifetime opportunities as a Singaporean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, Tatsunishi is quite famous for his work with sculptures and he likes to put sculptures in rooms and hotels. Uh, really challenging this idea that, you know, statues and sculptures are meant for like outdoor viewing only. The picture is quite scary though. I mean, this might just my personal take, but it is quite scary. So there's a bit in front of the Malayan head. <laughs> It's like, yo, when you wake up, okay, I, I guess better than in the front line. Imagine waking up and you see like the Malayan head in front of you. You'd probably be like, yo, yikes. But <laughs> this one is kind of like a guardian. Think of it like a head, like a weird headboard that's slumbering over you. Amazing stuff, Rovik. Like, I, I'm always surprised as how creative, if we want to be creative about our, you know, IPs. And I'm, for you guys who can't see the videos, like open inverted commas, like IPs, our intellectual properties. Like, we actually can do so much. This is this is essentially the creative side of Singapore and redeploying our resources to make Singapore just a little bit more exciting and interesting with the, the every object that we take for granted. Now, think about it this way. Like as a local, I probably spend less time at tourist spots than most people. But this is a way of engaging, I feel. And we should definitely do more of this. Yeah, it keeps it fresh. Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna just take a short break. We've been talking about this one Malayan right? The one that's placed in Malayan Park. But did you know there are other Malayans out there? And in fact, when we talk about pop culture and pop culture references about the Malayan, there's quite a number to go through as well. So we're going to take a short break, go grab yourself a cup of coffee, and we'll be right back.
We're glad you're listening to this episode and are part of the SG Explainers community. You're special because you're part of a group of people who are joining us to understand the Singaporean identity through a wide variety of topics. Elliot and I do this completely out of passion, but we do incur costs to use software, equipment, and not to mention the time spent. We're hoping that you may consider supporting the SG Explained effort in one of two ways. If you click on the podcast description of the podcast you're listening to, you'll see a link that says support this podcast with a link to anchor.fm slash sg dash explain slash support. A contribution as small as 99 cents when added up by all our community members can go a long way for us. The second way is that if you want more bonus content for your buck, we've launched an email newsletter. That's right, all the content that doesn't make it to the podcast, including our own perspectives, videos, and pictures, as well as links to more resources can be found in these email digests that provide compact information for your on-the-go reading. For five US dollars a month, basically the cost of a bubble tea, through Substack, you can get a digest a week with great content. The internet has allowed you, the consumer, to directly express your support to creators like us without needing to depend on brand sponsors too much. We hope you can give whatever you feel comfortable with. Here at SG Explained, Elliot and I are committed to getting great guests, conducting thorough research, and bringing you quality explainers on all things Singaporean. Thank you for being part of our community. All right, and we're back from the break. So we spent the first half looking at the main Malayan, the original Malayan, OG Malayan, at Malayan Park and a bit of its history. But as Elliot alluded to at the beginning, there are actually multiple other Malayan statues in Singapore. In fact, there are six which are approved by the Singapore Tourism Board. Now, this is important. There are six which are approved by the Singapore Tourism Board, because there are a couple of others that are not approved or not even known by the Singapore Tourism Board. I think they are kind of just online and and visible. And there are even Malayan statues outside of Singapore. So let's go through them. The first one, first out of six, is the original, the one that we just talked about. But actually right next to that Malayan, and this is something I never knew, and I'm quite keen to go and look for the next time I'm at Malayan Park, is that there's actually a Malayan cub. And this is a smaller, two-meter-tall statue that stands behind the original statue. It weighs three tons, and it's just almost like a a child-sized version of the Malayan. It is inlaid with Chinese porcelain plates and bowls as part of its design. Elliot, have you seen it? No. Okay, so I'm going to be very honest. I didn't know there were this many until, you know, we started reading the show notes together. Uh, But these are all places which, to be very honest, like, I hardly ever visit. Like, I don't cross these areas if you wanted to play like a game like just for you guys who are planning like i guess like small bachelor parties because you only have five people right now like you could totally do a, a treasure hunt with these malayans like it's an idea that you guys can employ they're quite well distributed the third one is three meters tall as well it is a glazed poly marble statue at tourism court which is basically the headquarters of the singapore tourism board near grange road this was completed in 1995 it was actually made in the Philippines. This one kind of makes sense because it used to be the logo of the Singapore Tourism Board. So it kind of makes sense that you would have your own Malayan there. I mean, you got to have your mascot in your office, right? Exactly. Like it'd be weird if you didn't. There's another one, also poly marble statue, but this is on Mount Faber's Faber Point. Now, this statue is owned by the National Parks Board and was installed in 1998 following the redevelopment of the park. So the next one is actually quite interesting. 
So there's a pair of Malayan statues that were constructed by the Angmokyo Residential Committee, the RC, in 1999. And they sit along the entrance of the car park along Angmokyo Avenue 1. Now, this is controversial because while the Angmokyo RC went ahead to build and commission the statue, they weren't actually officially approved by the STB at the very beginning. They were only officially recognized later on, uh, which kind of seems like a concession that has to be made to kind of say, okay, it's fine. Like, you know, we'll close one eye here and we'll officially sanction the Malayan because they, again, STB is the only body that's allowed to approve the use of the, the Malayan trademark. So it's quite cute that there are these uh, statues there. What's interesting is that if you do a quick Google, there are also Malayan statues in neighborhoods in Woodlands and in Changi, but these are not officially sanctioned by the Singapore Tourism Board. They're not recognized by the Tourism Board. Now, in this list, these are the current statues. But actually, if you've lived in Singapore for a while, you will know that there was actually a huge statue that was at Sentosa. And this is actually the tallest Malayan statue ever, uh, even bigger than the OG statue, right? And this is a 37-meter-tall, gigantic replica at Sentosa. It had a mouth gallery viewing deck, so you could take transportation up and then go out from its mouth and look around. On a nice story, it had another viewing gallery on its head uh, and the Sentosa Malayan shop. And it was capable of shining laser beams from its eyes. And, and that was a pretty cool... Uh, Ellie, do you remember this gigantic statue at Sentosa? Wait, I, I, I know the giant statue, but I don't remember the shining laser beams from its eyes. Dude. Oh, like yeah, that. yeah. You have to go at night and you can see it. Yeah. No, I swear, there's some like Gundam project that actually <laughs> the government was doing. And uh... I mean, I remember seeing one or two spoof videos where they kind of imagine that Malayan statue, the one in Sentosa, becoming one of those Transformers projects. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I have a great fun fact because... Uh, and this is like a teaser for one of our later episodes. But actually, one of our guests, upcoming guests, wrote a book, a best-selling novel called Altered Straits. And it reimagines um, Singapore a little bit, right? And part of it actually has the Malayan as like a mechanized robot type thing. Yeah, so it's interesting. We'll, we'll talk to this guest further down the road, but just a little teaser. So this statue costs $8 million Singapore dollars to build. It was designed by Australian sculptor James Martin, but essentially in 2019, this was not too long ago actually, uh, they decided to close the Sentosa statue and replace it with a $90 million Sentosa sensory scape project targeted to be completed by 2022. I guess it, it, it's fair because that statue was there for a long time. It was starting to become quite difficult to manage. And they were also trying to revitalize Sentosa. So unfortunately, the gigantic Malayan statue at Sentosa had to be killed to make way for new things. You know, Sentosa is always fun. So sensory scrape was proud. <laughs> <laughs> there are actually statues outside of Singapore in various countries, including Indonesia, Japan, South Korea, and Thailand. And if you go and do a quick Google search, you can find most of them. I wanted to highlight just one. And this is the Hokkaido sculpture with a white grin. It's the same height as the 8.6-meter Malayan in, in Malayan Park. But what's interesting is that its location is actually away from tourist areas. It's very specifically erected as a guardian deity for navigational safety upon the 130th anniversary of the Hakodate's port opening to foreign ships. They saw the Malayan and they added a symbolic meaning to it and put it at the opening area of their ports. It said that could be a guardian deity. It takes quite a hike apparently to get to the Hokkaido sculpture. I've actually seen a lot of Malayans in California. I mean, I, I spent a lot of my, my childhood and 
lots of my study days actually in California. There's a lot of like Singapore, like first gen and second gen guys who move over, right, in, into what is generally in places like San Francisco and LA, where it's a bit more hodgepodge, right? Like it's a mix of like different people. A lot of the Singaporean restaurants there actually use the Malayan as like they have small statues outside their, their gates. In fact, there was like a, I think it was called Malayan Bar or something like that, that I went to in California, in this little town called Sunnyvale. I was like, yo, there's a Malayan right here. And my cousin was like, yeah, people just think it's a joke. But I was like, oh. <laughs> Any Singaporean who drives past there would instantly recognize it. And I think that's cool. That brings up a good point, right? Which is that the Malayan has a bit of a conflicted relationship with Singaporeans. There are some people who agree that it's a national symbol. It's something to you know, always look at and feel connected to. But there is a good amount of Singaporeans that have a big distaste for the artificial nature of it, right? They they feel like it's completely constructed from a marketing angle. It doesn't actually recognize or value any actual organic cultural heritage. And, and that's actually a lot of what the next thing that we'll talk about is around the references, right? And around how Singaporeans have kind of confronted that tension with the Malayan. We're going to talk a little bit about these references first and how it's been employed. This list isn't exhaustive, obviously. Like some of the ones that I know personally are like, have you watched We Bear Bears before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, actually one of the artists or one of the animators working on that show is Singaporean. And... Uh, she snuck in a Malayan in one of the episodes, actually. Oh, that's very cool. <laughs> she just drew it as, as, as the as the bears were, like, robbing an art gallery or something. And, <laughs> and there's a Malayan statue in it. So, a lot of fun references that are in pop culture. Uh, but here are some local ones as well. So, like, Edwin Tambu, one of our poets. Yeah, we talked about him in our, in our poetry episode. Exactly. Well, he cemented the iconic status of the Malayan as a personification of Singapore with his poem, Ulysses by the Malayan in 1979. Now, due to Tambu's status as Singapore's unofficial poet laureate, in my heart, he'll always be that, uh, and the nationalistic myth-making qualities of his poetry, uh, future generations of Singaporean poets have struggled with the symbol of the Malayan frequently taking an ironical, critical, or even hostile stand uh, and pointing out its artificiality and the refusal of ordinary Singaporeans to accept a tourist attraction as their national icon. I mean, begrudgingly so, right? Like, sometimes you don't want to identify with the system. Compare it to, say, the American Great Ball Eagle. Like, that is organic. It's an organic symbol. So, the poem attracted considerable attention among subsequent poets who felt all obliged to write their own Malayan, or in this case, in some cases, you know, the anti-Malayan poems, illustrating the anxiety of influence. Among the poems of this nature are Malign, uh, spelled M-E-R-L-I-G-N. So it, it's kind of like a double entendre, right? First, it's supposed to sound like Malayan, but also like this whole idea of like misaligned, mal- maligned. It's, this one's by Elvin Pang. And Love Song for Malayan by Vernon Chan. Uh, more recent poems include Malayan, Strike One by Kobak Song in the 2009 anthology reflecting on the Malayan. Now, I, I think it's going to always be a thing when we try to talk about national identity and national symbols. Um, this, is not, this is not exclusive to Singapore. Every patriotic symbol comes under some sort of scrutiny, regardless of which country you're from, right? Because it's a national narrative and someone has to create that national narrative. It's not It's not given, it's always constructed. I think it's still a way to engage with a wider audience. Things like the Kalang Way, for example. Sure, you know, they, not all of them are just like organic off the ground, 
But it doesn't mean that people don't see it as something that can rally them together. We also have this one, Alliance as a Species for Fictional Characters, actually in Greeley Sui's Myth of the Stone, written in 1993. Uh, and this was the first full-length graphic novel actually published in Singapore. They were depicted as calm and wise creatures that fought on the side of good and eventually overcame the dreaded Kraken. Now, uh, Guili Sui further popularized the iconoclastic image of the spitting malign in the 1990s. It reappeared later with his well-loved poem, Propitiations, in his book of poems, Who Wants to Buy a Book of Poems, published in 1998. Dr. Guili Sui is very famous for being a very jovial person, like very easy to be around. So this, I think, was a very nice uh, lighthearted. We think of it more like Alice in Wonderland kind of style, where the Malayan plays the part of the um, the caterpillar, you know, just like chilling, astounding wise words. <laughs> uh, if you guys don't have a copy of it, I don't think you can find it online, and, but the National Library does have Myth of the Stone if you guys are interested in uh, renting it out. Yeah. For the inaugural Singapore 2010 Summer Youth Olympics, actually, uh, some of you guys remember this wasn't too long ago, what, 11 years back? And there was a pair of mascots, uh, Leo and Merli, who were introduced. Uh, Merli is a Malayan S cub based on the Malayan, so uh, cute and young. Uh, her hair is inspired by the lion top half while her fish half is represented in light blue scales on her body. And unlike the actual Malayan, she has hands and legs instead of a tail fin. So anthropomorphized lah, for sure. But nonetheless, cute. I did a quick Google search and actually Leo is spelled L-Y-O, which stands for Lion of the Youth Olympics. And Merli is basically <laughs> a combination of the words mer, meaning sea, we talked about this. And L-Y, which stands for liveliness and youthfulness. It's a bit of a stretch, but sure. <laughs> a bit of a stretch. Yeah. Hey, marketing team, you guys do your stuff. I know sometimes it's a hard job. You could just call them Merli and Leo and no one would bat an eyelid, right? Which would just be like, yeah, it makes sense. They really put in the effort to build out these characters. So Merli's favorite foods are ice kacang and slush. She's an Aquarius, a astrological sign. And she has a dream to become an environmental scientist. <laughs> Whoever is doing this brand building for these guys, you do you, man, and like more power, more power than you guys. So in Japanese, all right, the Malayan, pronounced Marayon, appeared in the influential anime Cowboy Bebop in both episodes 18 and 24, where its appearance in an ancient home movie offers Singaporean amnesiac bounty hunter Faye Valentine a clue to her true origins. I think that's great. In fact, the Malayan has appeared in several anime-style movies in recent years, actually. So this 2019 film called Detective Conan, The Fist of Blue Sapphire, is actually placed in Singapore. The entire movie is actually based in, in Singapore. It's an animated oh. film. Spoiler alert, if you guys don't want to hear the spoilers, skip like the next 15 seconds of this. But what happens in that show is that there's a terrorist attack on the Marina Bay Sands. Oh. And, and there's, a, there's a huge heist and Detective Conan obviously solves the case but what happens is that there's attack on MBS and the Malayan is somewhere there a lot of times there are these like little references that we don't see but it says a lot to the outside world they see the Malayan as a Singapore icon and for our gamer friends out there I've never played Animal Crossing myself but apparently the Malayan can also be seen in Animal Crossing and its sequel as like a as like decoration so Animal Crossing is all about fishing building your home like inviting friends to come visit your island home and 
and I, I googled the image of the Malai. It's actually pretty good, man. Like you can place it as a decor item within your island as well. If you guys are big fans of Animal Crossing, go out there, help us build like the Singapore River, maybe, <laughs> or like a viewing gallery, and uh, we'll share it with everyone else as well. Those are just a few. I'm sure the list is non-exhaustive. There are many places which have Malayan references out there. If you guys find out more, do let us know. We're always happy to learn these little fun facts. I think what's interesting about the Malayan is a couple of of different perspectives here, right? The first is it is something artificial. It was created as a tourism logo, but it's also kind of been pushed around as a national icon and a cultural symbol. And so it can definitely rub people in different ways. I think there are some people who would much prefer and maybe have alternative suggestions of more authentic cultural symbols or more authentic heritage symbols that have naturally evolved from Singapore. And so the presence of the Malayan can seem almost like an affront, right? It's like you're creating something that never existed in order to just profit or, or brand Singapore in a profitable way. But on the other hand, I think it's also evolved a lot since then. I think while in its origin, it's it, it was controversial. I think to some extent, we have learned to accept it, right? Uh, culturally and more sentimentally as a national icon. Uh, we have learned to find our own ways to play around with it. So I like some of the variations that have happened both in popular media as well as, you know, with the art. So I think it's up to us as a society to, to decide how we want to make it our own, how we want to really own some of these national icons. And I don't know, there's even an open question of how much longer the Malayan will continue to be a national icon because sure. something else replaces it, right? I think we've learned so much today about like the roots and also kind of figure out like where does it take us what does it mean for Singapore in the next 10 to 15 years or even you know many many decades down the road I, I'm very heartened to learn about this because and especially what your reflections were today is that things are fluid and actually we do have the power for change and the power for conversation and how much of it is influenced by us the fact that we interact with like these symbols doesn't mean it's just like thrust upon us there is a level of agency and a level of intellectual engagement that we can have with each other to understand its merits and flaws even of something as lovable as my usual what a cutie little pie symbols are powerful things man okay cool so that's the end of this week's episode thank you so much guys for joining us once again always a pleasure to have you all you know just tuning in and sharing with us your thoughts on the episodes if you want please share this episode with your friends we're available on all podcasting platforms your Apple Podcasts your Spotify you name it it's probably somewhere there um, hit us up on our socials as well if you have ideas for Rufi and I, especially since we're planning for season 5. It's going to be a fun ride and who knows uh, what else is in store for us in the future. Okay, with that being said, thank you all. We'll catch you in the next episode of As You Explain. This is me, Elliot, signing off. And Rovek saying have a good week. Bye-bye.